Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? Oh my God. I'm in a fight with my father right now. Like I am my mother and you're my, like what you were like, when I met you and picked you, I was like, Oh, you're the opposite of my father. Like you're not. And then now I'm like, what the, so how did, how do we go from like, Ooh, to (gasps) (laughs) in a heartbeat is the answer. (laughs) No, that's not true. I have much more of a positive outlook on relationships, or at least I try. Hi, welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. This podcast is for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And on today's episode, Effie and I are going to be talking about what happens when you fall in love with the potential of a person or the possibility of a relationship. There was a musical in New York several years ago called I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. And today we're going to explore the consequences of when you start to push or be pushed into change. So today is our 50th episode. Put in loads of things like explosions, fireworks, champagne popping. Yes. I mean, talking about change, we have changed a lot, I think, over the course of the 50 shows. Oh my goodness. 50 shows. We laugh a lot more, I think. Now, yes. like I was listening back yes. to one of our earlier ones because we're going to release some old ones as an mm-hmm. opportunity for people who have started listening to recently and haven't heard. Well, actually, our first ones were all live sessions that we did with panel discussions. Totally. I mean, the origins of this podcast is crazy. We started recording The Room. Once upon a time when we did events <laughs> where we all gathered. And, there was a time and, when we saw each other in person. And during in that, person, uh, right? And we, we gathered in Brooklyn basements to talk about love, sex and relationships. And we did that for years and we kept getting the same request, which was, how can I, you know, I don't live anywhere near New York. How do I get your content? And at the time we had... Um, a sealed container policy so we never recorded anything we said no phones we sealed the room and what happened in the in the social stayed in the socials and there was open discussions and it was great and then at some point in an effort to solve this problem of people not getting in, getting the content they want mm-hmm. we decided to record the room mm-hmm. honestly when the first few episodes were borrowed equipment mm-hmm wires everywhere mm-hmm. it was like odd and awkward mm-hmm. we're using crazy mixing boards we had our friends helping us mm-hmm. and honestly hand on my heart i was like this is for the 10 people that have written over the last month mm-hmm. who just can't be in the room we're just like we're just doing it you know if those 10 people listen mm-hmm. right it's just like what we've done for them is additional support for the people who can't be in the room one of our first episodes, it might be our second or third episode on relationship anarchy. And mm. the conversation is our most downloaded podcast episode. It's crazy. Thousand. And it's thousand. good. Like how many panel discussions are there out there? So it's great. I know. So, but I was thinking about that. We went from the panel discussions to conversations. At some point, it was just conversations with our like colleagues. We're like, you work right next to us. Can we interview you? (laughs) (laughs) And then to like, you know, now we have experts from all over the country and you and I are sharing many more personal stories and we're laughing Mm -hmm. more and Mm -hmm. we're playing with the way in which we do the podcast and changing it up and doing some stories. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I, I feel excited about our change. I love our change. I love the way we change. We change like plant these days, don't you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And we have an amazing editor we who do. makes magic happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our producer editor, Nina, 
she's magical. I know we've we've grown up in the in the podcast world. Mm-hmm. Do you know what has been amazing about this change? Mm-hmm. That it was organic. Yeah. It was willing, mm-hmm. and it was what we wanted, mm-hmm. and we kind of followed our desire and our curiosity and where we want to be and we definitely got a bunch of feedback Mm -hmm. we didn't just like podcast is the thing now we had so many people say to us like this is working we like this we don't like this Mm -hmm. we're like okay it works for us let's try this try that move on like move forward not move on move forward and we've gotten really good at giving each other feedback Mm -hmm. literally before this episode we were thinking about we had a few different topics in mind before we landed on this one because this one there's some things happening with ourselves and our clients that we wanted to explore we were thinking about talking about something else and we started to go down that rabbit hole rabbit hole as we (laughs) often do and then at some point you're like "Mm, this feels really detailed let's work on something else let's switch it up and so we've gotten really good at change and and talking about that with each other and so yeah it's with with 30,000 thousand downloads now honestly i was expecting 10 yeah yeah to your point it's hard to believe that something that was uh, an afterthought or is now the main mm-hmm. thing that we are focused on and yeah, what we're centering totally. our work around and if you would have told me in the beginning that this is where we would have ended up if you would have said sold me in our very first conversations jackie we're going to do this podcast and from there we're going to start to do then blogs and do these other things i don't know if i would have been there yet we we got involved because we were we were interested in exploring content in person and we were doing lots of live events and we were Mm -hmm. writing a lot and it's evolved into this but if you would have tried Mm -hmm. to sell me on that change in the beginning I don't know if I would have been the person and I think what is beautiful about our relationship and about our work together to your point is that we have grown together Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of what we want to explore today is when someone doesn't grow together and they want change to happen with when the other person doesn't want change yeah i think it's even um a step earlier than that right i think it's even at the right at the top of relationships when we meet somebody and we like them often we are searching for a set of qualities whether we like it or not right we unless we're very dating consciously and we're going to do a whole episode on conscious dating stay tuned folks unless we are dating consciously meaning we are aware of what we need what we want we have the communication for it and we're searching to find middle ground rather than searching for a person with a checklist of qualities in our hands and we are not aware of you know how our past is affecting our future and all those amazing things um we often find who stumbled into a person that we we like and that takes a bunch of the the boxes that we like and in that in those times when we're like falling in love uh we're often overestimating the things that that we like about them and that mm. the, the things they tick in our list and we grossly underestimate what we don't like about them <laughs> and we either don't want to think about it or we think oh it's nothing and i think the most insidious of them all we think oh they will change mm. and i think that i find is the root of so many issues people have down the line in their relationships i feel like personally attacked by this <laughs> <laughs> i never wished you'd change Jackie. no not that just that you have described so many of my past relationships mm. where i really did fall in love with the potential of the person yeah. or the possibility of the relationship mm-hmm. and i was like everything is perfect except just this little thing just this one thing, which over time, I'm sure, because my way is the right way, I'm mm-hmm. sure they'll come around yes. to my way. I'm sure. Yes. Is. Yes. Mm-hmm. They will. And and I think it's so insidious because we it can sometimes we can sometimes talk about, oh, we'll evolve together, we'll mm-hmm. grow together. <laughs> right. These sound so especially if you're in that kind of like conscious relationship, conscious dating kind of mindset and you haven't done your homework and you kind of just caught up in your own uh-huh. like rationalization. The insidious way is that this comes up is this idea of like, oh, we'll grow together, we'll evolve together, which is code for you will grow so that you are aligned with me <laughs> where exactly. I'm at. But help me. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about this beginning phase because I need to understand more about how we, how this happens, because I can't tell you, you know, how many times I've been in a relationship and like the first year, it feels like to your point, magical and wonderful and all these things. And then at some point you're in a conversation, you're like, oh my God. 
I'm in a fight with my father right now. Mm. Like I oh, am my yeah. mother and you're my, like what you were like, when I met you and picked you, I was like, Oh, you're the opposite of my father. Like mm. you're not. And then now I'm like, what the, so how did, how do we go from like, Ooh, to <gasps> in a heartbeat is the answer. <laughs> no, that's not true. I have much more of a positive outlook on relationships, or at least I try. Yeah, I mean, look, we talk about attachment styles all the time. We also know that how we were loved is how we love. And we learn about relationships. We learn about relating. We learn about what love looks like, what love sounds and feels like in our homes and in the homes that we grew up in, I should say. And the primary caregivers, our primary caregivers, traditionally mom and dad or whatever it looks like for you. People have all sorts of different family structures. Those primary caregivers are the people that model for us what love and and relationships look like. And within that, there's such a huge topics like within the relationships, you within the idea of a relationship, you have conflict resolution, you have emotional regulation, you have negotiation, you have communication. This like this, oh, our caregivers model relationships sounds so simple but when you kind of unpack that idea Mm. you are looking at some of the core elements of who we are in the world which express Mm -hmm. within relationships Mm -hmm. so the chances are that you sort of find yourself arguing with your father because you have written a piece of code that you that you Mm -hmm. saw you observed on how to you know how to deal with conflict Mm -hmm. and it feels familiar at the time when you were picking that person it just felt familiar and we associate familiar with safety. We associate with, you know, familiar with comfortable, comfy. And we associate, you know, our mind is these amazing tricks where you go, you know, mm-hmm. love looks like this from this person, you know, skip forward 20 years. Oh, this person reminds me of that thing, which reminds me of love. And here I am having an argument with my father now. Kind of crazy. It is crazy because you're right. I'm thinking about, you know, we've talked, we've joked about this, like the U-Haul experience in lesbian relationships that we fall in love in like the first like three weeks mm-hmm. and want to move in with each other. And But that I, I'm thinking about with my partner now, there were definitely moments very early on where I was like, oh my gosh, you! it feels like I've known you forever. Mm-hmm. It feels so comfortable and so familiar. Like we just like fit and sync and it does feel and still like romanticized, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were clearly meant to be we were like you know on Mm -hmm. these paths that crossed each other and like the universe brought us together because look how comfortable it feels Mm -hmm. and then there are those moments a year later where you're like oh this is not the kind of comfortable (laughs) (laughs) that I was thinking of yeah Uh sure Mm -hmm. yeah and I think a lot of it is comes in the form of just that consciousness when we're dating you know like mm-hmm. we think oh f- like we don't register or oh, this feels familiar like i wonder why this feels familiar we don't question and sort of consider what are the mechanics happening in that moment when you feel when we feel so close to somebody especially mm-hmm. if it happens really fast mm-hmm. like this idea of love as love at first sight is definitely something that you need to be watch you need to watch out for mm-hmm. and of course during that phase you the honeymoon phase if you will we are also biochemically reinforced, right? We get this love cocktail that I, I'd like to call, which is like <laughs> essentially like serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, dopamine, like your main chemicals. And they are like a cocktail for bad judgment. Seriously. Like serotonin essentially makes you happy. So everything is like pink and rosy and everything is fine and happy. So you're like, oh, everything's going to be fine. I don't care. <laughs> and then you got oxytocin, which just makes you like safe and cozy all the time. So you don't question mm. like, how do you feel around this person? Then you have endorphins, which is essentially a painkiller. So you don't, <laughs> and like a stress reliever. So you don't like, you don't feel any stress and any kind of pain, like emotional pain that they they might give you if they like harsh on you if you don't like their tone or if they you know say something that you don't like like endorphins take care of that and then you get this like boost of dopamine when you're like it gives you a sense of like winning or getting it right so uh, it's like a terrible terrible cocktail <laughs> for for bad judgment why do you think we are biochemically reinforced that way is it like back in the day our lifespan was shorter and so it, our bodies were just like find someone fall in love connect make some babies like quick yeah. I mean, this is the research tells us that this, this is ancient. This is like 
old biology. This is um, evolutionary biology, where, for example, we know this cocktail, this love cocktail lasts around three years, Mm -hmm. three, three and a half years, and then it recedes. And this correlates to child rearing. It takes a child about three, three and a half years to to be separate from my mom in uh, from mom in a way that mom can be separate from dad, mm-hmm. and then so that they can like cycle again and reproduce again. So what? That's crazy. Yeah. What you're telling me? Yeah, no, it is kind of it's kind of crazy. That, that some of this like love biology and love chemistry and love neurology is yeah, it's kind of scary because you're like yes. oh, I have no like I have no will i have no right desire of my own i am just like high on on chemicals <laughs> that my body produced yeah we do need to bottle it because new relationship energy is a real thing it is amazing it's the cocktail it's the cocktail <laughs> you're getting a fresh fresh shot no. of, of the cocktail yeah so all right so let, let's go back so we meet somebody we don't yet know that we are actually dating our parents mm-hmm. <laughs> we at the time I we're just like <laughs> right and that this person has qualities that we will want to in the future change but right now mm-hmm. we don't see any of that because we're like happy and we're 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 on painkillers and we feel safe and cozy and we believe that we're winning at life mm-hmm. and so then we're in that cycle and what happens from there I think a couple of things happen, right? So people either hold on to this idea, this this sort of wish and hope their partner will change, um, mm. often without saying a word. Right? And I think that's where it becomes tricky. If you say to somebody, listen, I have ambitions of traveling the world. Like it's what I want out of my life. It's what I want to have in my relationship. I want to be with somebody. I want to be in a relationship that is designed to be nomadic for a while to, to roam around the world. And, and that's what I, you know, that's what I want in my relationship. And the person, the other person says, you know what, I'm actually kind of a homebody. I, you know, it doesn't like, I, I kind of like the nest. Um, mm-hmm. I really sort of dream of having a beautiful home, set down some roots, plant a garden, mm-hmm. you know, think about hosting families for Thanksgiving. Right. In that moment, you can definitely and this is a good conversation to have, right? If you walk away from that conversation, if you ignore this conversation, if you ignore this this discrepancy in what you want out of this relationship and out of the world, some people walk away from it thinking they will change, they'll come around. Mm-hmm. Once they see what the world has to offer, they'll realize being, you know, being home is boring, right? And the mm-hmm. other person might be like, you know what? Like, honestly, for how long can you travel? Like, they might we might go on a few trips and eventually you know, we'll come home or we'll make a home, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. such a common, that's such a common narrative. Mm-hmm. This happens with open relationships, you know, mm-hmm. like they think, you know, someone will be like, you know, I actually, I actually feel like I'm non-monogamous. I identify as non-monogamous. They meet somebody and they, this person is uh, potentially monogamous. And then mm-hmm. both parties are thinking, you know, mm-hmm. maybe this relationship will be enough because we think it's about not being enough, right? This relationship will be, this relationship will be enough that they won't want to date somebody else. Or the person who's identifying non-monogamous is like, once we establish, you know, trust and safety and flow and love, and we kind of spend a lot of time with each other, oh, they'll understand. They'll come around and open the relationship. Mm-hmm. These are narratives I hear on a weekly basis. Yeah. This may or may not have come up earlier on the relationship. I did at the beginning of the relationship. Mm-hmm. If it has, they've ignored it because they often, often I work with clients and they will be like, Oh, remember that conversation we had on like date five mm-hmm. and like, okay, so you sh- that's when it should have been handled. You yeah. know? But instead people kind of go away thinking the other person will change, come around, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the two things it's completely fair that I have seen is either people will intentionally not share something because they're like, well, I don't want to scare them away yet. So I having kids is really important to me, but I'm not going to talk about kids in the first few dates because I don't want to scare them away. Or I really want to travel for my job or I'm really close to my parents and when they get older, I want them to move in. But that's not first date talk. So I'm not going to talk to them about that because it'll scare them away. And the reality is, if that's something that's important to you and it's going to scare that person away, I'm using air quotes, then good. (laughs) Because scare them away. That is the point, actually, of those conversations is to find compatibility. Mm -hmm. And when you don't share something because you are hoping that that person will grow, grow to love you and grow to love that. And I think actually that's the second thing that I have found. And my experience myself is when you don't necessarily hear the discrepancy. 
And Mm so I am partnered. I love to travel. I love being out. I love going to restaurants. I love being in other countries. I love being with friends. And I have partnered with two home buddies Mm -hmm. who actually do not like to travel. And I have sat back and reflected on how did I get here? How did I get here twice, Effie Blue? Twice. (laughs) How did that happen? And I think in both cases, when I reflect back, I didn't hear the discrepancy. Mm-hmm. I think that I probably shared out, I love to travel. And, you know, each of them might have said something like, well, I haven't traveled much, but yeah, I mean, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I'm like, I love to go on related, you know, to restaurants. Do you like to go on? They're like, well, I haven't gone out that much, but yeah, I would love to go to some places with you. Mm-hmm. Where it was a willingness to accommodate me that I heard as, like, oh, they can grow to love traveling. They can mm-hmm. grow to love you know, restaurants. Once I introduce them to this world, mm-hmm. they'll see. And, mm-hmm. you know, that phase of accommodating me ended after a certain amount of time. Sure. They're like, feel free to travel on your own. Tell me how that <laughs> restaurant was. You know, yeah. here. Um, so I think those are two things that I've seen and, and heard in my work and experienced myself is either not wanting to share something to scare someone away or mm-hmm. not hearing the discrepancy because mm-hmm. you hear the person person wanting to accommodate you. Yeah, I would add to that, actually. The third thing I would add to that is you underestimate how important those things are for you. Mm. You think, oh, they're amazing. This person is amazing. This relationship is going to be, this relationship is going to be great. Like, yeah. I know I love traveling, but really how, like, can I, can I really not live with traveling? Like, is it really, you know, it'll be all right. Right. And a great one, such a common one that I see all the time is incompatibility over sex. Like mm. everything is great. Everything is like we're such a communicators. I really like them. They feel taken care of. I've seen da, 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 da. sex isn't great. Well, you know, like how important is sex anyway? You we know? can always work on that. And- we can work on that. Yeah. Like it's, it'll, it'll figure itself out. Like I hear that a lot. And you under, you're essentially underestimating how important it is to you. And I mm. think the, when you do that, the more, the less you get of it, the more important it becomes. Mm. So initially you underestimated it and then you go on to not have it. And the less you have it, the more you want it. And then the more pertinent it becomes. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where like often where the, the friction is. Hmm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. We recently on our Instagram put up a quote from one of our old blog posts, and it mm-hmm. says, "If you resist having an important conversation, both the desire for it and the fear around it will persist and get even louder." Here, here. I stand by that quote. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You said that, and it it makes sense in all of these examples. My desire to travel has increased. My <laughs> desire to go out to restaurants it's increased. Both now are inhibited by COVID, so my my partners are not the ones that are are limiting my access. But yeah, it, it, you're right that when a, a piece of you that is important goes unacknowledged, and you push mm-hmm. it down, both the, the the fear around it, the frustration around it, the resentment. Around around it, the want for it mm. begins to build up and up and up until mm. finally it comes out in a way that can be explosive, that can be really fracturing for your relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's important that we address all those things and not suppress them because the more we suppress them, um, the more they sort of corrode away our, at our uh, connection. I think that there are two things that stand out for me so far in this conversation. One is that there is this love cocktail that distracts us from seeing some of the things that we really need to see and that intentionally or unintentionally, there are things that are important to us that we are minimizing and mm-hmm. we're making it some, to something tiny and small and just that one thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want to add one more thing in there. Mm-hmm. What I often see are people silently sacrificing their desires, their wishes, what they want in a relationship and hoping or assuming that the other person is also making sacrifices. Hmm. And once they find out that they're not making sacrifices and that whatever they want and they suppress is actually allowed and air quotes allowed, then there is like, what? That was allowed? I've been going without it for years. I think that's another version of that where you're like, oh, you almost, you're changing yourself to be in this relationship because you think that that's what's needed in this relationship. And then suddenly you're like, what? I can do that? Like, that's allowed? And I think, you know, the thing that actually stands up for me is a conversation that you and I have had around 
going to rooftop bars with your wife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like, you're into that now? <laughs> I want to go to rooftop bars. Well, what right? was interesting about that was, you know, my so my wife uh, started to, uh, in the beginning of her, of another relationship that she was in after she and I had been married, was going to rooftop bars and going through walks through Central Park. And these are things I would love to have done. Mm-hmm. And when I had asked these things, certainly they happened in the beginning of our relationship. And then later on in our relationship, I was like, I'd like to do these things. And, you know, she was too tired. It was too cold. Work was too long. Mm-hmm. But suddenly there was a all this time and energy mm-hmm. to go to rooftop bars and walk through Central Park. Mm-hmm. And she would made it clear that that was the result of the love cocktail, that that was re- mm-hmm. she was like, this is all new relationship energy. She's like, give yeah. it a year and no one's going to any rooftop <laughs> bars anymore. Um, but it was to your point that it was frustrating at the time because I was like, oh, we could have been doing this. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think it exasperated something. I th- Exactly what you described. I was like, well, do I really need to go to rooftop bars? Do I really need to take walks through Central? I guess not. And then once I saw it was possible for somebody else, that little seed of something that I had pushed down in myself exploded out mm-hmm. in like yeah. a fire fury. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Now that's all you want. That's all that I want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I want to go yeah. and I want to go to a better bar than you went <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you went <laughs> with her. Yeah, no, it's completely true. And I, so I've been in that place. I've been in the space of like, okay, it's just this one thing. They're just not as ambitious as I am, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Like, you know, they're gonna, my work ethic is infectious mm-hmm. or they're just not that really into kids, but my daughter's amazing. So they're mm-hmm. really gonna, they're really gonna fall in love with her and they're gonna realize like how, or, you know, I just, I don't, I don't love that tone. That they mm-hmm. speak to me, but we're going to have a conversation about it. I'm going to talk to them about why that doesn't work for me. And they're going to adjust. Like right. there's a lot of, it's just this one thing. Yes. Yes. And all we're going to do is we'll just talk it through and they'll see. Mm-hmm. Totally. I find when someone's presenting it as it's just this one thing. And mm-hmm. like when I hear just mm-hmm. in sessions, that's, that's a big signal for me. I'm like, oh, it's just that one thing. I have a feeling it is the thing mm. that we're going to be talking about for the next <laughs> few weeks, let's say, if not a few months. It is, it's because it, if, it was, if it was only just this one little thing, it wouldn't be a sticking point. Right. If it's often presented and and then I'm saying this not to sort of the reason why I'm bringing it up is because language gives us clues to where we are. Right. Mm -hmm. So if the reason why I'm kind of bringing these up in, in this way is to sort of give people clues to say, oh, if you're using this kind of language, just be mindful of where it might be coming from and mm-hmm. that, and then it will give you some clues to like how maybe you might be able to sort of navigate around this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I see often is these sticking points or these like little discrepancies are presented as if they are a grain in otherwise a perfect picture. You know, they're, they're a little speck in otherwise a perfect picture. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how they're presented in proportion to everything else. But, mm-hmm. and, and often they are presented in a very reductive way. Oh, it's just this thing, you know, it's just that they want to be in an open relationship, you know, it's okay. just, and it's in the tone. It's so in not a, having sex. Yes. It's just that, you know, they want kids and I don't. Exactly. Exactly. And you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. that just that little thing is huge. Right. Yeah. And I think I think when people are presenting in that way, the reason why they address it in, a, in that kind of reductive way is because they in some level consciously or subconsciously, often subconsciously, that they know it's a big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to minimize it in their minds to in an effort to, you know, make it less painful. You know, because often, especially if you are bringing it up and you're sort of going to taking coaching or going to therapy and bringing up this as this one little thing, um, it is it's probably the most important thing about your relationship. Well, the struggle is at that point, and I'm sure you've heard this many times, you're like, but I love them. Mm -hmm. Like at that point, you're in love and you you Mm -hmm. want this to work so badly. Mm -hmm. That's great. I think love is great. I just don't think that just because you're in love with somebody doesn't mean you can be in a relationship with somebody. And I think that's a big, it's a big idea that we don't get to wrap our heads around. And 
it's because it's fed to us differently, right? The, the myth of the love story that we hear from Hollywood to literature to songs that you love the person and then you spend the rest of your life with them Mm -hmm. that we think that love and relationship is the same thing and if you just love them you can share a same you know house with them or you can be in a relationship with them or you can have kids with them loving somebody is great being in a relationship with somebody is entirely different dynamic Mm -hmm. and you can love somebody and and they might not be compatible with you in a way that you can design a relationship in which both of you can thrive, you know, and that one little thing can be the thing that isn't, you know, is, is, is getting in the way of you thriving. Like it could be crucial, the crucial aspect of what it takes for you to thrive. Recently I'm using a lot of plant examples because I'm kind of obsessed (laughs) right now. It's my obsession. I'm growing things. I'm learning so much from growing things. Um, One of the things that came up in a session that made sense is that if you're a cactus and you're and what you thrive in is a dry, hot, sunny environment and you are in love with a tropical a palm tree, a tropical plant that is in need of rain and humidity, you're not going to be able to create it's going to be very hard to create an environment both of you can thrive. Mm. And I think it's important that you know, saying, oh, cactus, they'll be okay with some rain. You know, probably (laughs) not. You know, too much rain, cactus is not going to thrive. No rain, your tropical, you know, humid flower is not going to thrive. I think, you know, and if that's the case, you can still love one another. It's just going to be very hard to create an environment that both of these plants can can thrive. And I think the the other version of that, which is waiting for someone to, to change, it's like, Taking care of loving, you know, nurturing, growing a, a leafy plant, hoping that it will bloom one day, mm-hmm. hoping for flowers every day, you going up to it and taking care of it and, and hoping that it will flower one day. Well, it might not be a flowering plant. You know, if you only mm-hmm. if you only want to take care of it, if you only want to grow it in the hope that one day it might flower and you don't actually love it that much in its leafiness. It's, you know, it's kind of sad, right? It's kind of sad. I think that message is for somebody though out there. It's number one, just because you love someone doesn't mean that you can be in a relationship with them. And then to really ask yourself, are you in love with the person as they are? Or are you in love with their potential? Mm-hmm. Are you in love with the possibility of what this relationship mm-hmm. can bring? Yeah. And if change comes, by the way, it comes sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I took care of a, a cactus for a long time. I didn't even, I, you know, it was a cactus. I was just doing its cactus thing, which is not much. And then one day I woke up and it was in full bloom. I have never seen a blooming cactus. It had beautiful, bright yellow flowers. I was like, whoa, I didn't know this is a thing. And it's beautiful. I enjoyed it for a long time and it was great. And then in the, the flowers then went and the cactus went back to its boring cactusness. And I, I, I still, you know, take care of it as much as I did. And, and I think if that's the attitude we can have towards people that we love, that there might be things that we want them to, to change. If we're constantly looking for that, that bloom, that flower, and we don't, we're not really okay with them when they're not in bloom, mm. it's going to erode away at the relationship. I think one thing that gets in the way of people myself included, being that thoughtful is that you start to compare your current pain and your current needs to your future pain pain and need. So if you were without a partner, if you have been Mm -hmm. in the search date after date, incompatible Mm -hmm. person versus after incompatible person, and you finally have this connection and there's synergy and there's sexual attraction and you have that love cocktail Mm -hmm. and there's just this one thing that could Mm -hmm. be different. I imagine that you start to compare, well, I could give this up. Mm-hmm. that thing or I could just lean into this experience and trust that future me is mm-hmm. going to be able to navigate through that thing like I get mm-hmm. that I've lived that like sure. I, and so it is hard to be in your wise mind and make those good decisions when you are in the midst of a love cocktail when you have been searching for partnership mm-hmm. or for connection and you find it mm-hmm. and so maybe we can talk through when you find yourself in that space So now it's a year down, three and a half years down, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And the love cocktail has has drained. Worn off. 
It's all gone. You wake up, you realize that you are now partnered with your parent or you realize that your desire to have kids, to travel, to work harder, to whatever it is, actually was a bigger deal than you let off. Yeah, it's hard. Have conversations, have many, many conversations. Honestly, I just want to give some suggestions to the beginning of the relationship before you get to that, that three, that before you wake up hungover from your love cocktail mm -hmm. that when you're dating uh when you're having these conversations um, address these things mm -hmm. and when you notice things that are the discrepancies the things that you don't like about the person in the sort of hopefully with a clear mind openly subscribe to those things that you don't like about them check in with yourself and see oh i hope that these things this is what we said at the beginning of the conversation especially this sometimes is insidious right oh they'll grow oh they'll evolve like if you catch yourself thinking like that in any aspect of that person really focus on those parts mm -hmm. and say can i live if nothing if they are the way they are and nothing changes from this moment onwards can i live with that can i accept them the way they are can i live with that can i tolerate that mm -hmm. can it be the pain i pick mark manson talks about picking your pain we mm -hmm. we you know he talks about how everything has pain everything has a downside often we focus on the the, the positive and we don't think about the, the the negative and when we find it it's like a shock to us and he suggests that you actively and consciously pick your pain and mm -hmm. i think it's the same when in a relationship i think that with the beginning of your relationship you need to acknowledge the parts you don't like about the other person and you need to actively consciously subscribe to them mm -hmm and say that this is the part of the package amazing if they grow if they evolve if these things get addressed and get negotiated and, and sorted out and there is synergy and there's calibration and you know peace and harmony till death does apart awesome awesome that's great that's that's that i support that 100 however in that moment you need to take them as they are in that moment and you need to check in with yourself and say can i live with that does that work for me does this pain work for me can i endure this pain this discomfort this dissatisfaction this disappointment big big words big negative feelings you need to check into those feelings and say can i live with them mm -hmm. is this sustainable because you are going to be able to live with all the good parts like those are the good parts of course you're going to be able to live with the laughter and the 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 joy and the games and the play and the hot sex and the, whatever is the good stuff of course you're going to live and love that stuff that's not the point the point is you need to be able to say can i tolerate the pain points mm -hmm. and i think that is a really important conversation and a sort of reflection that you need to have with yourself hopefully yeah. if you do Three years down the line, you wake up with your with the, with a hangover from your love cocktail. It's not going to feel as bad. You're not going to be in like, whoa, what have I done? What is going on? I've been sacrificing, and I, you know. And what's worse is that in that moment, at least you're going to be in a position where you can take ownership of that. That mm -hmm. you're not going to be faced with resentment. You're not going to be have to deal with resentment that you've probably gathered over the last years because this thing has been chipping away at you and been annoying you and you've been like secretly wishing that they would change like that internal turmoil hopefully won't be there so i'm not saying it's going to be pleasant but it's also not going to be a shock yeah i'm i'm actually going to even invite us to think about that suggestion throughout the course of a relationship i hear you mm -hmm. saying in the beginning when you're first determining whether this is a partnership that can feel sustainable and you can continue to thrive in that you should be having these conversations. I think because we continue to change and grow as people, I think we have to keep mm -hmm. asking ourselves this question mm -hmm. because I think we're not going to be stagnant, right? So in the course mm -hmm. of those three and a half years, many things may have changed. Mm -hmm. How many stories have we heard where people, couples opened up with the assumption that that meant they're going to go to a play party or, you know, when they travel, there's going to be a no ask, don't tell rule. Mm -hmm. And then someone falls in love. And now they want love and, and real partnership with someone else to be a part of their di that dynamic. That can happen in the course of those three and a half years. Or someone mm -hmm. who didn't want children suddenly does. Or someone who is wildly ambitious at work now wants to take some time off and do something else. And you're like, ooh, that's not the person that I thought I was with. Mm -hmm. That in each of those moments, it sounds like we need to look holistically at a relationship mm -hmm. and determine what may you be willing to give up in order to keep what you have. 
Mm-hmm. Like, what are the parts to, that I hear you saying that you love and that are great? And what is the pain points that you may live with and tolerate mm-hmm. in order to have all that you have? And and let mm-hmm. me say, live with and tolerate, not with resentment, mm-hmm. not with a, a persistence of change, not out of anger, not that you could really just accept. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy. I, I made some, you know, the, the two folks who I've, you know, and partnered with now I shared, they don't love traveling as much as I do or eating out as much as I do. And neither of them actually wanted children. Mm-hmm. And I have a daughter and she is so important to me. And I, I think that I felt that way in the beginning. I was like, well, number one, I'm really her parent. It's not like they have to do a lot of parenting mm-hmm. and she's awesome. And we're all just going to go hang out and go like ice skating and go mm-hmm. like, you know, play in the park and it's going to be great. And I realized that the reality of partners that want me in the partnership, want more mm-hmm. time alone with me. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean then when I have my daughter and what do they want? What do they want out of a relationship with her? What does she want mm-hmm. out of a relationship with them? It was just something that I was like, it'll work itself out. Mm -hmm. And there have been really some moments of pain and heartbreak around Mm -hmm. realizing that I'm not going to have a co-parent in that way, Mm -hmm. that I really Mm -hmm. am going to be a single parent, even when I'm with one of my partners. Mm -hmm. And I acknowledge that the joy that they bring her, the joy that they bring me, all that we have in our relationship really is bigger than mm-hmm. that. And that is a pain point that I will choose to have and mm-hmm. not have resentment around. Mm-hmm. But it took me some time. It took me some time to navigate through that. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can totally see. And also we've we featured your daughter on the on the show and <laughs> she's brilliant. Who wouldn't love her? So <laughs> for sure. And I'm wondering, I'm also putting myself on the other side of this and wondering if people who don't want kids, right? Mm-hmm. They underestimate the fact that you have a daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. They fell in love with you. They wanted to be in a relationship with you. And at some point they within themselves underestimated that you have a, a brilliant, beautiful daughter that is a huge part of your life. She's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. You are a parent. And they probably thought, well, she's, you know, she's with that half of the time. How bad can it be? Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's the other side of this. Right. They subscribe to this, too. And frankly, and and most of it has to do, and I've, I've recognized this also, it's not actually even about her. It's about that I go into mom mode when I'm mm-hmm. with her. So it's not even, I mean, I think that, that she brings an addition to their lives. I think that their partner changes. I think mm-hmm. that the partner who is like chill and fun and just and introspective when mm-hmm. she's not there turns into someone who's like cooking and cleaning and like doing mm-hmm. like playtime. And that's just not the same person. And I get mm-hmm. that. So that's been something that's interesting that we've had to have lots of conversation around. And I think, Mm -hmm. again, that that goes back to what you're saying. Talking about what's important, in the beginning, I underestimated it, eventually had to have the conversation like, this is important to me. Had to talk with them, what are you willing to do? What Mm -hmm. what can this look like? Then me making the decision and and having, you know, does this bring value to both of our lives, my daughter and myself, in a way that I don't need to have someone else be a disciplinarian or I don't need to have someone else. Like, I can really do this. And that was, Mm -hmm. and I chose that and I feel joyful about it. And Mm -hmm. maybe that changed in five years time. Maybe that looks mm-hmm. different. And I think that's part of what I'm, you know, in this conversation inviting us to think about is continuing to have these thoughts and this, re- this, this reflection when you do a relationship check-in, both with yourself sure. and then with your partners. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course we talk about non-monogamy a lot. And I think, you know, non-monogamy does give you a bit of an opportunity to find other partners, other situations where you might get to have the things that you don't get in one relationship with others, right? So you might start dating somebody who loves to travel or who loves being the idea of a co-parent. And that might be kind of where you get that need met or that have that journey with somebody else. And I think you know, non-monogamy is one of the sort of fun features of non-monogamy is the thing that you hear all the time. One person doesn't have to be your everything. Mm-hmm. So you definitely get an opportunity to diversify your your connections to really meet everyone's needs. I think that's definitely doable. I think it's important, though, that it is done from a place of peace and and consent and mutuality that you're not kind of doing it in resentment or you're not doing mm-hmm. it you're not doing it in in lieu of trying in the relationship or you're doing it to get away from what you know 
uh, disappointment or, or, or anything like that, but you're going towards something and mm-hmm. the person that you may not be sharing this one thing with also doesn't feel left out or left behind. Or if you are the person that, let's say, you know, you have a partner and they're like, you and I don't like doing this. I want to go and do this with this other person, you know, to feel if you're not feeling left out, if you can find ways to process that and realize not everybody wants different things. And this is the whole idea of non-monogamy. I think that's an also another um, solution. As long as there's consent, as long as there's mutuality, as long as there is empathy and compassion for everybody involved. Yeah. It sounds like it starts with being honest with yourself being honest mm-hmm. with your partner mm-hmm. or partners, doing an audit of your own needs, doing a relationship audit, determining what do you need? What do I need out of the relationship? Making some conscious decisions based on that. And then continuing to allow for evolution and growth, continuing to create opportunities to have discussion and say, this feels important to me now. And let's figure this out. Am I going to do this on my own? That was something else that I had to let go of. Let's say when it turned to, when it was about traveling or going out, that there was a story in my mind that I wanted to do those things only with them. Mm-hmm. This is my partner. I love them. I want to be with them. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I could go out on my own. I love actually traveling on my own. Mm-hmm. You came to see me on your own. That's right. Love solo travel. Do love going to restaurants. Love go to restaurants with friends or with my sister or with my family mm-hmm. or with my like not leveraging the polyamorous mindset, even if it's not with other lovers and saying, how can I meet my own needs? Mm-hmm. Where is it that my partner can meet my needs? And it's an invitation for them to join me in those mm-hmm. things instead of an obligation. I remember one time I had been really interested in like going to see street art and going to museums. And for a long time, I wasn't doing that because my partner wouldn't go with me. My, my wife was like, yeah, I'm not interested. I'm interested. And one day I was like, screw her like why am I waiting and I remember I got all dressed up and I felt really cute and I was like on my way out and she was like where are you going I was like oh I'm gonna go to Bushwick I'm gonna go look at some street art I'm gonna go to a restaurant and she's like oh so can I come (laughs) nice I don't know I have to check with my date myself (laughs) it it was or there are times where you know I may be in the mood to have sex and you know and and I talk to my partner and she's like yeah I'm not in that space and I'm like all right so we lay down and I start to get cozy with myself Mm -hmm. and I'm enjoying my own time with my own self and after a little while she's like what are you doing? <laughs> like, can I help? <laughs> and each of those times reminds me, like, if I don't wait, if I go on my own, do something on my own, either A, I'm going to enjoy it anyway, even mm-hmm. if I'm by myself, or B, the other person's going to be like, hey, what's going on over there? Can I join? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm currently, this reminds me of, I'm currently working on a, another project where I am and, and, uh, the strap line that we picked for it is if you build it, love it, live it, they will come. Mm. So that's what, when you're hearing you say that, I'm just like, yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So as we near the end of the year, it feels like a good time for this particular conversation. Cause I think COVID and and mandatory quarantine has had all of us be more reflective. It has us thinking about what we are going to do now over the next few months as we as the winter months are here and we're still in quarantine. And it has us dreaming about what's going to happen when all of the restrictions are lifted, when the vaccines are in place and we're all free. And this Mm -hmm. feels like a good time to have those conversations with ourselves and with our partners around what is our vision? What do we want in our lives? What does that look like? What are we dreaming about? And see where there's some alignment, see where there is misalignment, see where you can comfortably live with that misalignment and figure out what can you do to continue to meet your needs um, and for your partners to meet their needs, even if those things won't be met together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a good time to be thinking about relationships. Um, I do love this part of this time of the year where, you know, there's an opportunity to reflect and to plan ahead. And it's, uh, it's, it's sort of a global experience. We're coming to the end of a year, we're wrapping it up and we're moving on to the next one. And it's a good opportunity to think about relationships and making plans for the future and think about your dreams and hopes and do some planning. In fact, as we're wrapping up the year, we, the next episode we're doing, 
it'll be on December 18th. We actually want to kind of take your questions. So as you're coming to the end of the year and you're thinking about your relationships, maybe you want to try some different structures, different things within your relationship and you have questions or things you've been holding on to all year and you're, you're hoping that somebody has answers for you, somebody has guidance for you, somebody has some thoughts they can share with you. Um, we are doing a question episode on December 18th where we will answer your questions. We get a ton of questions and we want to dedicate a show to you, to your curiosity. So if you want us to hear and respond to your questions, you can share a question with us by taking by a couple of ways. One, you can take a voice memo on your phone and you can email it to us at um, listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. Or you can go old fashioned way and give us a call at 201-870-0063. That's 201 201- 870-0063 and leave us a voicemail. If we get your question in audio form, we will add it to the show and answer it. If you write it to us in an email, we will read it out. Happy to leave your name out. Uh, we'll share our thoughts and give you as many answers as we possibly can. Yeah, I'm excited about that show. Mm-hmm. It's true. We get so many questions in our DMs and through Facebook and through Instagram and through our email. And so I'm excited to take an episode to just focus on those. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in following us in any of those platforms, you can find us at We Are Curious Foxes. On Facebook, we have a Facebook group that you can join in on the conversation. You can find us on Instagram. Not only do we post our blogs and our podcast episodes, but in our stories, we post some behind the scenes or some pictures or some video of things that we may have discussed in the podcast. And so you can go on to We Are Curious Foxes on there and find us. You can also go to We Are Curious Foxes on Patreon and you can support us and the work that we're doing there. If you're a patron member, there are a lot of special features that we create just for you. So for example, we have just started loading on some bonus content just for our Patreon members. And so you'll get some mini episodes, you'll get some behind the scenes, you'll get some director's cut footage of things that we couldn't add to the live podcast that goes out to the world. And you'll get access to that in Patreon. You also get access to the archive of all of the events that we've done over the years. So we have in-person events that we've recorded, those panel discussions that we talked about, educator-led events. We have our Zoom events that when we were doing Zoom events, all of those things, all those videos live on Patreon. You have access to all of those. And in addition to all of that, in the coming months, we're going to have a number of educators and speakers and authors on with the podcast with us. And as a Patreon member, you get an opportunity to ask them questions. So you send us your questions. We're going to ask them on the podcast and we're going to include them in our show. So go on to Patreon, find us and support the work that we do. If you enjoy this podcast, if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the work that we have done via the Curious Fox podcast, we ask you to please share it with other people. We ask you to share the episode, to leave a comment, to rate it. All of those things make a difference in helping more people access the show. Oftentimes people will find us and say, oh, I wish I would have heard this a month ago. I wish I would have known about you guys a year ago. And so if you share this out, it elevates our status in whatever the podcast channels are so more people can have access to it. And so like it, share it, rate it, and we thank you for it. This episode is produced and edited by the talented and very patient Nina Pollock, who tirelessly encourages us every turn. Our intro music is composed by Dave Saha. We are, as always, very grateful for their work. And we are grateful for you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind. And we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.